0: Welcome to Dental Brain Crops. I'm your host, Chelsea Myers, and today we're taking a break from what we previously scheduled to launch because, like you, I have things come up in my life that are unexpected, unpleasant, and challenging, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to share how I'm using self-coaching tools to be present and contribute to the situations in my current life. Now, I've been engaged in coaching for a long time. I've been coaching for many years, and I think that by narrating myself as a participant in my own unexpected situation, that one or some or even all of the things that I'm doing may benefit you the next time that you're in a situation. Now, Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you think about it, none of us are immune to unpleasant experiences or unexpected news, and there's really not a good time for these types of things to happen. Um, Over the past couple of weeks, I said goodbye to someone who I love very much, who had become ill and eventually passed away. And within days of that news, learned that my youngest son needed emergency surgery. And these things are things that happen in our lives. People become ill. People require emergency surgeries. People die. The flexibility comes in how we decide to experience these things. Now, what I've learned is that I'm a strongest contributor to myself and to others when I'm calm, collected, and confident, even when I don't know exactly how things are going to play out. So let's break that down a little bit because like I said, some of my self-coaching strategies are so ingrained that they're a lifestyle for me. And I'd love to share them with you so that you can be as equipped as you want to be in your petri dish that is sometimes life. The first thing that I made sure to do is to be really present with myself, to check in with myself on how I was feeling multiple times throughout the day. And whenever there was something emotionally unpleasant, like anxiety or sadness, I'd do two things. I'd identify where in my body that feeling was manifesting itself. For me, anxiety is often a racing heartbeat and a tightness in my shoulders, for example. And I'd identify the thought preceding that feeling. There's an ever-present thought-feeling combination taking place within us. And there's no feeling that doesn't have an accompanying thought or said differently, every feeling has an accompanying thought. And beyond that, every thought we have is a choice. So by identifying the thought Causing the anxiety, I could make some decisions about whether I wanted to keep thinking that thought, other things I could also think or think instead, and whether or not I was even sure that that thought was true. And let's pause there for a moment because in intense situations, whether they're at work or in our personal lives, we can accidentally perpetuate highly uncomfortable situations if we're not conscious and selective about how we choose to think about them. We sometimes subscribe to the belief systems of others that don't even serve us or we adopt other people's perspectives that don't feel good. We might have a perspective that was ours once that we no longer agree with. Sometimes we repeat ideas to ourselves that if we pay close attention, don't even make much sense. And I mentioned that we have flexibility to decide how to experience our lives, even in times of challenge, and to experience them in ways that are going to benefit ourselves and ultimately others. But we've got to exercise a high level of conscious direction on what we think and focus on. So reflecting on my most recent situations, I learned that a loved one was sick and headed towards death. I said goodbye to her and then she passed. And then our youngest child became sick and we learned that he needed emergency surgery. I could have become a nervous wreck and focused on all of the collection of the unexpected events and really freaked myself out about everything which would have undoubtedly impacted my son and everyone around me. But I knew how I wanted to be present. I wanted to be calm and supportive. I wanted to be confident and in tune with my child. I wanted to be a comfort and a constant to him, recognizing that he, more than anyone else, was experiencing a serious disruption to his comfort and his life. So when i check in with myself and notice some anxiety, I'd identify it in my shoulders and locate the accompanying thought. And then with acceptance and curiosity, I'd determine if I wanted to pivot. For example, at one point, I noticed my anxiety was rising and the impacting thought was, I don't know if the surgery will be successful. Now I'm going to call that a normal thought. So rather than spinning in the unknown and advancing myself into overwhelm, I determined that the best way to make a decision with unknowns is to decrease the amount of unknowns. So we met with the surgeon and he explained the situation. We viewed the CT scan and asked a lot of questions about that. We spoke with the anesthesiologist and learned how and why what he was proposing was his recommendation. And from a more educated spot, made decisions about our son's treatment. And then, and this is really important, I decided to trust myself. I trusted that I'd asked the questions I needed to ask to make a decision, and I trusted that the decision I made was a good one. This allowed me to then direct my focus and attention completely back to our son and really be there for him, be in tune with him and comfort him. And I'm so grateful that these were the choices I made because there's not one thing that I've, I'd have changed about the way I showed up for our son or the level of presence that I exercised or the amount of attention that I gave him. Now I want to shift for a minute and talk about another facet of emotional health. And that is sticking to healthy routines, I have routines in place that include exercise, taking vitamins and supplements, eating foods that are highest quality for my body, and avoiding foods that are not. And because our brains default toward comfort and pleasure, and because for some reason eating junk food and not exercising is considered pleasurable to many people, during times of elevated stress or heightened emotions, a lot of us deviate from the very behaviors and choices that contrib- contribute to feeling our best. And it's really backwards because logically, if eating, supplementing, and exercising certain ways contributes to elevated moods, better energy levels, higher mental and emotional health levels, and all kinds of other things, you think that during discomfort, we'd make sure that those things that help us feel good are in place, but many people don't. And the consequences usually include compounded discomfort, guilt, decreased energy, physical discomfort, in addition to processing and handling the death, illness, surgeries, or whatever the situation is. So for me, especially in times of heightened stress, I intentionally care for my mind, body, and soul by making sure that those habits and patterns remain in place, even if it means doing squats in a hospital room next to my recovering child or having whole foods delivered to the room. And making these choices circles back to the mind management that we've been talking about because without electing to notice my own feelings and thoughts, when we don't do that, we make choices and act out emotions that aren't our best selves. And sometimes aren't even who we agree with. And I want to experience my life in a way that feels good to me, in a way that positively contributes to others. And that requires commitment and consciousness and discipline. One of my favorite words, as you know, alongside the self check-ins, finding roots to our thoughts, deciding how we want to think and maintaining healthy habits, I also make sure to include rest. I don't mean sleeping to escape what's happening, but true rejuvenating rest. And for me, that looks like setting aside time in the evening to wind down. If you don't have a deliberate wind down routine free from electronics, then I'd highly encourage you to study and test some alternate ways to prepare your brain for best rest. So I read, then I turn out the lights, I think, I work myself into a completely relaxed state and I prepare for high quality rest. And I made sure to do that throughout these events. I think we can all agree that the better rested and refreshed our bodies and our minds are, the more we're able to think and do and participate in. Lastly, I want to touch on the importance of connection. Throughout these experiences, there were a couple of people, some personal and some in the clinical settings that I connected with. And while we can, especially with well-managed minds, get through things on our own, I found that at least in my life, there's strength in numbers and different people offer different things. And if we're open to it, the combined contributions people can impact on a situation can be helpful and strengthening and rewarding, which was what I found in those who I was fortunate to connect with through these experiences. Now, I hope that something I've shared today has been helpful. And more than anything, I hope that whatever you're going through, you remember that your experience is flexible. It's up to you how to experience it. That's all for today. I appreciate you joining me for today's episode. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit dentallife.coach for access to additional coaching tools as well as more episodes to help you create the dental life you truly desire.